We lost a great race car driver on January 30th, 2020, a beloved fundraiser for Riley's Children's Hospital and fierce advocate for colon cancer screening. John Andretti's accomplishments behind the steering wheel were only exceeded by his humanitarian efforts. With an unparalleled life and career to celebrate, I've assembled a podcast feature that makes 16 stops along the way, all told by those who knew him and loved him. His legendary uncle, Mario Andretti, said it best. Try to, to put together how many drivers have driven midgets on dirt, asphalt, sprint cars on dirt, asphalt, sports prototypes, indie cars, stock cars, and top fuel. You tell me who has done all that. No one. No one that I could ever remember. I mean, that I could ever put together. I mean, there's no way there's another one that has done all that. He's alone. He's alone there. In the 15th installment of Remembering John Andretti, we have Anders Crone, young open-wheel driver at the time in 2012, when he was asked to join in the Rolex 24 at Daytona in a GT-class Mazda RX-8 with John and his son, Jarrett, a very special, special time for Anders, also for John, in his farewell to endurance racing. All brought to you in the Marshall Pruitt Podcast by the Justice Brothers, Cooper Tires, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA. Anders Crone, you had a pretty cool moment in your career that turned out to be I would say a pretty cool moment for our late friend John Andretti, that being his final 24-hour race, I believe really one of his final big races uh, took place with a certain guy with your name in <laughs> a Grand Am Rolex Series Mazda RX-8 GT machine in 2012. Since we're talking about someone who was so beloved, one of the sport's great all-round drivers, what comes to mind, first of all, just knowing that you had this pretty amazing intersection with him at the end of his career? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of lost for words, to be honest. And uh, I, I think kind of being the younger guy than I am today um, came into it with a bit of a preconceived notion that, hey, I'm going to be teammates with this guy that's past his prime and uh, kind of went into our first pre-season or pre-Rolex test, as it were, at Roebling Road, actually, and thinking to myself, well, you know, here's this guy who's probably not going to be very quick and um, probably going to be significantly quicker than him. But then he went out on his first run and he was amazingly quick, like like amazingly quick. And immediately I was looking at the data. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to push really, really hard to be as quick as this guy. And, uh, so anyway, after a couple of runs, like I was able to match him and I was like, Oh, good, good. Thank God. Uh, and then he went out again on another set of tires and he went quicker and I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, what is this? What, 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 what is this guy doing? Like, I'm supposed to be significantly quicker than this guy. And, um, cause he's mid to late forties year young yeah. road indie gun, got eyes of, you know, the big series. And, you know, in theory, again, it was, you know, him and Jared obviously is a pretty amazing thing for him. Taylor Hackard is in the car as well. But to your point, this should have been, you know, the the, the old folks home guy <laughs> should have been handled yeah. easily by the young gun. And it was just so hilarious. And, and I think it, it taught me a couple of things. It taught me never to believe in, in or have preconceived notions about anyone because 
I met him for the first guy. And I mean, he was just this incredibly mellow, just nice down to earth guy. Uh, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like he, he's, he's a nice guy, but clearly I'll be quicker. <laughs> and, and that was clearly very, very wrong. Uh, and then the second thing was just his, his, his level of detail in debriefing and, and how he provided the information to, to Jared and kind of how he brought him up to speed. Because at the time the Rolex 24 was Jared's first ever road course race. So, I mean, Jared was new to all of this. So everything from downshifting, blipping to, you know, brake release to, you know, all these different things. And it was just incredible seeing he would come out of the car, Jarrett would jump in, they would debrief, I would be out on a run and, and just the level of detail that he would go into to, to provide information to Jarrett. And it was sort of, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was an envious position, but seeing how they worked as, as father and son, it certainly made me think, wow, like I, I wish you know, I wish my dad was able to provide me with that level of detail and, and calmness when, when I was on, on the, on the level up. So no, it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. And then fast forward a few weeks to the Rolex 24, uh, you know, we didn't have the fastest car by any means. We didn't have a very reliable car, uh, by any means. It was a, you know, last minute program that I've been thrown together, but I Small think team, one thing, right. A modest yeah. expectations, despite having yeah. a famous name or two, last name or two in the car, it was still a very humble operation. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and I think what kind of, uh, what, what blew me away about it was that we, we got into the event and it was all, it was all sort of, sort of business as usual. Uh, and then I got done with my night stint, maybe, I don't know, 11 PM or, or something along that, uh, along those lines. And I was going to go back to my hotel. Uh, but John's family, uh, Nancy, uh, you know, they, they refused to let me go back to the hotel. They said, Nope, you're going to come stay in our RV. You're going to take our bedroom and you're going to sleep here. And I was just, I was blown away wow. by the hospitality of them to essentially just remove themselves from the comfort of their mobile home to say, no, uh, you've just had a stint. You're going to sleep. And anyway, I went in there and I struggled to fall asleep initially. Uh, you know, their entire family was in there and I felt incredibly awkward about the fact that I'd taken their, that their primary room, you know, with, with Nancy, Jarrett, you know, Olivia and Amelia. Um, and, uh, anyway, uh, fell asleep and I guess around 2 AM or 3 AM or whatever, uh, you know, they, they woke me up and they were like, Hey, yeah, we've blown up. So if you want to just go back to sleep <laughs> and sleep through the night. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just like the most, the most incredible introduction to them as a family, you know, and, and, and since then, obviously I've been around a lot with the, uh, you know, seeing the end readies in action, certainly, but, uh, having to get know Jared very, very well through his SRO ventures and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, no, I, I'll, I'll say that's probably one of the most memorable experiences of my life and, and, uh, something I'll, I'll never, ever, ever forget. And share if you would, Anders, how this, kind of chance interaction with John and the Andretti family here in what was final chapter for him in a rather illustrious career in endurance racing, right? Obviously overall winner at the event in 1989 and, you know, had contested the race multiple times. So this was a really cool opportunity for him to go racing with his son window world sponsored the, the, uh, the car as well. So there was certainly a lot of media attention coming your way but what was it like afterwards you know getting to know john and then in the years that followed 
Uh, I'm guessing just because it seems to be the case with so many people that even if you only shared two weekends together, you know, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was, I'm guessing the two of you remained uh, friendly and stayed in touch whenever you could afterwards. It, it exactly was. And, and I think that's what kind of blew me away, you know, having come from Norway, you know, when I was 20 years old and heard all about the Andretti family and the, the legacy and the allure and all that. I was just so blown away by how down to earth they, they always were and, and, and still remain, in fact, you know, the entire family. And, and I think to, to, to me, it, it's the most incredible thing of just how approachable they always were, how personable they always were. And, and, and John certainly just, you know, with, with his dry, dry sense of humor, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I struggle to put into words just how kind of comfortable you felt, not just with John, but that entire family. Again, as I said, difficult to put into words because you never felt like they'd be an Andretti family. You just felt like, wow, these guys, these are just amazing people that I would like to remain friends with. And th- that's sort of the story, really. Let's close, Anders, and something we've been asking everybody in some shape or form. Obviously, your introduction to the Andretti family in person, comparatively recent, you did get a chance to see and, you know, working in and around Indianapolis as well, whether being a driver, broadcast your own business. I'm sure you've also seen in the years the two of you got to race together. This guy really was a, a force, a true force of will and effort on the charitable front, being one of the finer examples of how to live a life and be a human being. Let's just close in thoughts about the impact you saw demonstrated by John just in day-to-day life in the years that followed your first coming together. Yeah, it's almost incomprehensible. And in his funeral, just listening to some of the stories of the amount of things that I, I wasn't even aware of that he's helped influence, you know, the, the, the you know, over $4.5 million he's helped raise for Riley's Children's Hospital, uh, all the different charity fundraisers that he's that he's helped put on and none of it for his own exposure all of it just because he 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 cares that much and and really that's very much the sense that i got from from him from day one was just that he's he's this guy who realized he had an opportunity with what he's done in his career with his name not to take advantage of that with his friend but to utilize that to an advantage to, to benefit others. And I, I just found it such a pure, really just such a pure approach to life. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I told, I told Jared, I, I told, uh, Olivia and Amelia when I saw them, uh, the, the, the other day, uh, at the funeral that they, you know, they, they have a lot to be proud of. And I, I really feel that way because he, he left a legacy that's way beyond just on track prowess i mean he he left a legacy that is that is so much beyond that so uh yeah i I feel very fortunate to have been able to to meet him and and get to know him on a very very limited scope compared to a lot of other people um but but even so just that limited exposure i had to him i mean i i see how many lives that he would have touched and everyone who got to know him just how how incredibly was so yeah, immensely thankful that I get to spend the, the little time I did with him and uh, just just know what an influence he's been on, on so many people's lives. Thank you for listening to Remembering John Andretti on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, and Cooper Tires. If this is your first time listening, more than 900 episodes are available at marshallpruittpodcast.com 
We also have a subscribe page where Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other listening options are readily available. 